Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? Man, does this smell good. Wolfen down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Lou. Hey, boys. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. All right, it is noon. Is it Wednesday? On a Wednesday? It is Wednesday, right? Yeah, it is yeah. Wednesday. Right, oh. uh, time, time for uh, Wolf and down your lunch. Aaron Maloney is here. Aaron? So the Phoenix Suns closed out the Clippers 136 to 130 to advance to the Western Conference semifinals for the third straight year. Here's Devin Booker. Uh, yeah, it felt good. You know, we were just both talking about an experience where, you know, we dropped the game five to the Clippers. And, you know, that's a frustrating flight, you know, when you think you have it in a bag. And, you know, now you're going to their home and, you know, they're only a game away, game away from making it seven. Um you know, we just didn't didn't want that type of pressure. We'd rather just get it done, get our rest, and move on to Denver. So, you know, it's going to be our first time starting on the road, you know, in, in my career. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. So Devin Booker's performance aside, because we will get there, guys. What do you think the Suns can take away from this first-round series against the Clippers? Uh, I, I like the fact that they... That they got to fight from LA. It was, I mean, you want you want a quote easy series anytime you can get it, but it it wasn't as ear, as easy as it probably looks to people that weren't watching the games. And they just say, oh yeah, the Suns won in five. Uh, the Clippers pushed them. They had to come back in what four of the five games. So I, I think I mean the biggest takeaway is that they got to play more games together because they're only up to thirteen now as as a team with Kevin Durant. But uh, but the fact that the Clippers never really rolled over and actually did push them, I, I think that'll help them big picture. Yeah, um, I think the Suns, and again, I'm thinking from the perspective of the players inside that locker room, I think they'll take the fact they got to get a lot better to heart. I think that's what they'll do. I think they know they have to get a lot better going forward right now. It's still a work in progress with Kevin Durant, of course. It's not only the offensive end, but it's also the defensive end of the floor where this matters. I think they know they need to get a lot better after playing the Clippers and winning in five. Devin Booker was absolutely dominating as he finished the game with 47 points. Kevin Durant described Booker's performance as spiritual. So how would you guys describe Booker's performance? Look, I know that the easy word is to say legendary, but I, I think that there's there's a little more to it when Kobe Bryant tells Devin Booker to be legendary and then he delivers por- per performances like that. So I, I don't even want to say breakout because he's had uh, performances like this before, so I'll just say game-changing. Okay, so for me, I'd say the Terminator. <laughs> Terminator <laughs> is what I'd use. Your clothes, give them to me. Yes, that's what I would say. I, I mean, metaphorically question. speaking, that's what he did. He walked up to the Clippers, Luke, and he said, your clothes, give them to me. He said that over the course of 48 that's minutes. exactly what he said. Hard to argue that. He, he was the Terminator. Uh, <laughs> Hold on a second. 
Who's on line two? <laughs> so good, Mel. Just answer the phone live on the air. This confirms what I've always believed, that Aaron produces the show yes. and is also running the, uh, the newsroom well, as well. Well, she's the receptionist as well. She's literally the phone. in the president. She's doing every possible job. Oh, she actually is on the phone. Now yeah, we have to fill. What do we do? That's really good right there. I have no idea. Now I just have to talk to you. Did you get my point on the yeah, Devin Booker about, thing yeah. right there? Yeah. What did you think about his performance? Yeah. Um, he went out there and did exactly what I thought he was going to do. I think we all thought That's he was going to take the, off. But to the degree in which he did it, the, the I didn't think 47. That, uh, when we played Kevin or Devin yesterday, we all said Devin because it's a closeout game. And I'm guessing most listeners would have said that, too. Even though the other guy's Kevin Durant, we were all so sure yeah. of it. And then he went out there, and if anything, it, it, he cleared the bar for sure. The legend of Devin. Maybe you should make a rap about it. Wolf Freestyle featuring oh Book. Oh, are we bringing Book back? It. That is about the fifth time you've actually Give brought the people that up. what they want. You can call it Devin or Legend. The are, you, son- are you bringing back the Michael Porter Jr. song? No. Even no, though they're playing the Nuggets? That. Well, maybe. <laughs> uh, that's a now lot. that you bring that up. Yeah, right. <laughs> the Suns are on to the next round as they will face the Nuggets with Game 1 on Saturday in Denver. Here's Charles Barkley from NBA on TNT last night. You've been riding with the, with the, the Nuggets. Nuggets all year. I, I think they're depth. I think that Murray against Booker is going to be must-see television. I think Gordon trying to guard KD is going to be must-see television. Joker's going to be the difference and the depth of the Denver Nuggets. I think that's going to be, in my opinion, that's going to be the difference. But, man, those two one-on-one matchups are going to be fabulous. I think the depth of the Nuggets. And the lack of depth on the, on the Phoenix side. But, but Joker, I think he's going to, I think, you know, we keep, we don't even know how great this guy is. I mean, he is amazing player. And uh, I think this is the year they get to the conference finals again. So, our Sanderson Ford poll question is up now at ArizonaSports.com, and it asks who you got in the second round matchup between the Suns and Nuggets. Suns in four or five, Nuggets in four or five, Suns in six or seven, Nuggets in six or seven. The Suns in six or seven. That's what I got right Yeah. Yeah, I got to give Denver a little more respect. Like, their 53 wins in the regular season mean nothing to me at this point because I watched the Suns win 64 last year and bow out in the second round. Does the regular season mean anything anymore? No. In the NBA? I'll I'll say Suns in six or seven, but I, I... I don't think Denver's winning this series unless somebody off their bench just goes crazy. I, I yeah. So sixty nine percent say Suns in six or seven. Fifteen percent say Nuggets in six or seven. Twelve percent Suns in four or five. Four percent Nuggets in four or five. Like if you told me I had to go Suns in four or five or Nuggets to win the series, I'd yeah. probably go Suns in four or five. Wow, that's that's where I am. Wow. On this. Okay. So we'll see. I think they've got too much growth for that to be the case. I really do. They still are trying to find themselves. They're not a finished product by any stretch of the imagination right now. They can get so much better in so many areas. Den- Denver's legit. I just don't. I'm not picking them to win the series. I- I've said all year I need to see Denver do it in the playoffs before I yeah. pick them to go anywhere. The Arizona Cardinals were out on the field for voluntary minicamp today. So our multimedia producer, Jeremy Schnell, was out there, and he did not see DeAndre Hopkins, Buda Baker, or Isaiah Simmons in the open portion today. Kyler was working on the side with Hollywood Brown. Are you surprised by that at all? I'm surprised by Isaiah Simmons. That's the one that bothers me. That is bothering that's, me. That's now... 
yeah, the voluntary strength and conditioning, he wasn't there either. Like, this is a guy I'm building my defense around, if it's me. So, again, everybody's going to get all over Kyler when he's not there. Kyler's there. <laughs> so, to me, if the quarterback's there, everybody needs to be there. Yeah, I was really disappointed. If you tell me that Isaiah Simmons is not there, I am disappointed. There's just no other way to parse that whatsoever. The NFL draft is tomorrow. The Cardinals currently sit at number three. So, what do you think is more likely to happen tomorrow night? The Cardinals stay at number three and draft a player. The Cardinals trade out of number three. Or the Cardinals trade DeAndre Hopkins on draft night. Cardinals trade out of number three. But then what's next? Oh, okay. Play my little game. Um, okay, play your, <laughs> yeah, okay, Mel. Um, trade out of number three, that's most likely. And then D-Hop, I would say. D-Hop is traded before the draft. Before the draft. Yes. Yeah, I would, uh, I'd say the same. I, I just, I... I can't see them staying at three unless they get stuck at three because it doesn't seem like they're as high on Will Anderson as as maybe we thought a few weeks ago. Maybe they are, but it doesn't seem like they're really debating like Will Anderson's going to be a Hall of Famer, but we need more players. To them, it seems like they'd be fine if they got Paris Johnson or Peter Skaronsky or maybe Tyree Wilson or whoever, right? So I just I think they want to trade and add picks. Well, once again, Mike Florio, um, the Cardinals have already had this out. (laughs) They've already set their board. It's all set up right now, and why would they tell anybody how much they love anybody or don't like anybody? They wouldn't do it. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. They're they're actually probably just starting their draft prep now because they went to Kyler Murray's uh, statue unveiling. (laughs) You you went to the statue unveiling? Are you kidding me? All these other guys are watching 5th, 6th, 7th rounders? Are you guys even going to show up to the draft? You need to sit down and be quiet, please. <laughs> sit down. Your clothes. Give them to me. <laughs> How many Terminator references are you going to make in one just, segment? I love talking. Last time you did that, the, the phone rang. I didn't even know we had a like landline in this building, and it rang. That's can what that you do was. it? I mean, can you say it? Your clothes. I'll, Give them to I'll, me. I'll, I'll do it when we come okay. back. <laughs> when we come back, is uh, that, that was Wolf and Down Your Lunch, I think. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron. Uh, is Devin Booker the best player in this year's playoffs so far? We'll discuss that next. It's Wolf and Luke at Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers now. Good old Agnes. <laughs> What's up, Basinonians? Oh, my goodness. I'm just joking about that. Um, Angus, of course, as yeah. we all know. It's an inside joke, my brothers. With who? Uh, myself. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> the, the most inside of all inside jokes. Uh, I don't have an Arnold impression for you. There's I'm no, sorry. you don't have it. I'm not going to do it. Your well, clothes. But I, but I had, some, somebody did write in and said the actual line is, I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. No, so maybe, that's no, not it. Did, no, your clothes. Give them to me. Oh, well, I don't know. Yes. Maybe that's part one. Yeah, it is. There's two t- also, I looked it up during the break, 
and I somehow ended up on this website that was um, life lessons you can learn from the Terminator. You want to hear some of these? Yeah. Uh, one of them is the future is not set in stone. You can make your own destiny. That's nice. <laughs> there you go, uh, D-Book. Another life lesson is robots shouldn't be given so much power and control. All right, I'm going to close this Oh, website. boy, you might want to do that right now because <laughs> have you seen this AI? What is going on? I'm Alan sorry. Iverson? Oh. Uh, no, not Alan Iverson. Okay. Um, we are going to talk some Devin Booker here. And you and I were talking during one of the breaks at some point about what this might do for the next wave of basketball players. And, and, and I want to be careful how I say this, but like certainly the next wave of basketball players that are growing up in Phoenix, right? Because we've been taught over the last, whatever, 10 years that it's only worth shooting if it's a three or like you're four inches away from the rim. Devin Booker's not the only mid-range shooter in the NBA. Obviously, he's got a few on his team that are pretty good. But he has, he's gotten so good at it. And you, when you watch him and he plays the way he did last night, I understand everything's extreme when he's dropping 47 on a team in a closeout game. But, Wolf, you, you watch him play and it's like, how, how many players that are coming up in high school and college are limiting themselves by just completely ignoring that part of the court? Like, there are players in the league where you're like, okay, well, this guy can only dunk or he can only hit a shot from two feet away. And then you have guys that's like, this guy just hoists threes. Booker can do those things. He can get to the rack. But he also, he has that whole mid-range part of his game that I feel like other players voluntarily take out of their own game. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting to listen to you talk about Devin Booker because you're acknowledging all of his goodness, all of his skill, all of his ability, of course. And yet... What makes him so special is the context in which he competes. It really is. It is his competitiveness. It is the person that he is. And watching him go out and light it up for 47 points like he did last night, that's awesome. But that is who he is. It's who Devin Booker truly is becoming right now, and he's still developing. He's still growing. I understand he's been in the league for eight years (laughs) And it blows my mind every time I say that. He's been in the league closer to 10 years than he has five years. Think about that for a minute right now. Because it feels more like five. But he's developing as a player. And it's the context of who he is that makes this seem like this is going to be the norm for him going forward. I'm going to throw some stats at you because there were so many that were available after that game last night. But I'm just going to throw a couple at you. This is from ESPN Stats and Info, and I mentioned this earlier, but in case you're just tuning in, Devin Booker, the first player in NBA history with at least 45 points and 10 assists in a series-clinching win. <laughs> That's a pretty good game. Number three? First in NBA history. Wait first ever. Not Are number you three. serious? First ever. Oh, oh so think of all the gosh. great NBA players. None of them have put up 45 and 10 in a series clinching win. Yes, uh, an elimination game. I yes. like saying that better than a closeout game or an elimination game. Elimination. Eliminate him. It sounds so much better, doesn't it? Does. It? it does. You I'm... are eliminated. I'm also going to throw this out there. I should have said that after I waylaid somebody out on the field. <laughs> I eliminated you. I'm surprised you didn't. <laughs> you know, honestly, because I said some pretty profound things, actually. Did you? I don't. I can't remember them <laughs> because my head was <laughs> well, spinning a little bit. But once, I can tell you right now, I said some pretty profound things once, after I knocked you into the dirt. Once you say them, it's for them to remember, right? You're just putting it out there. They got to It's on yes. them. I eliminated you. Taste it. Okay, where are you going now? Uh, Devin Booker's averaging 37.2 points per game. 
which is even more than Jimmy Butler, who just had a 56-point game. He's averaging 36.5. Through the first round of the playoffs, let's say, because the Suns are through, um, it's those two guys. Those two have been the best players in the NBA playoffs. There's no way around it. And what I was saying earlier about how when you think of guys that have that sort of mentality that Devin Booker has shown, Jimmy Butler also has it. He does. He does. He absolutely has it. No doubt. But those two right now have been the best players in these playoffs. I I don't know that you can really argue that. Now, we had Bismack Biombo on uh, last hour, and he said a lot of profound Bismack things. But one of the things he said was, look, you have a guy playing like Booker plays, you have to win that game. You can't waste that. You got to capitalize on um, those type of games. You know, when a guy get out there and play that way, you have to win the game, you know. And obviously yesterday, you know, for me, to be quite frank, I think that defense would give up a lot of points in the first half and in the second half. It's, a, it's too high of a scoring game to be a playoff game. I mean, we almost reached 140, um, and and this is the playoff we're talking about. So uh, that shows you that, uh, one, um, Book was amazing, but two, when you go back and look at it, being such a high score um game it's a lot of film we all gotta watch to correct a lot of mistakes but when book shows up that way and play that way we have to capitalize on those yeah you have to capitalize you have to win those games i get that i understand that sentiment the best thing listening to biz right there was when he was talking about all the mistakes that they made in the way they've got to get better. This is what I was talking about earlier. I I want the Suns players to be hyper-focused, not on their successes, but their failures. I, if you tell me that the Suns, the players, are going to focus on that and not their successes, I'm telling you right now, that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Let that comfort you in the context of the playoffs and the series that is coming up against the Denver Nuggets because that will get them better. If they're truly in tune to that, not getting pats on the back, but actually getting kicked in the butt by their teammate or maybe even themselves, which is possible to do from time to time, believe it or not. (laughs) Well, I will say this. As, As confident as I am in the Suns against the Nuggets, that confidence is based on the belief that the Suns are going to continue to get better. Because I don't know that you can just assume 40-plus points from Devin Booker every other game. That's that's a dangerous path to go down. Denver is better than the Clippers. Denver is a legit team. Like that's So you can't, you can't just roll out there and be like, oh, you know, Booker will get us 45. I mean, he's doing that. But also both those games where he put up, what, 44 and 47 points, those were contested games in the final few minutes. So yeah. the depth thing is, is certainly an issue. And, and, and to your point and what Bismack was saying right there, now that's that's not good enough defense to, to score, to give up 130 points in a playoff game is how he said it. That's not going to work. No, and, it's not. So um, I'm assuming that gets better. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't assume it, but I'm assuming it does. Yeah, um, I think it's going to get better because I think the Suns, again, the Suns players are going to be hyper-focused on getting that better right there. It, it's so easy. I think of the psychology of sport. Once again, the psychology of sport, it matters, Basinonians. It really does, especially to the human brains that are inside the Suns locker room. When you look at everybody not named... Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Chris Paul. 
When you look at everyone not named those three guys, they're looking at those three guys like, man, we got, this is good. We got this. We're, this is good. What y- You want the exact opposite reaction to happen, but you can't get around the aid, comfort, and shelter. Those three guys offer everybody else inside that locker room. The responsibility is on those three guys in particular to go out and play very, very well and lead this team to a victory. The the responsibility is on them, Luke. This this does, and I hear what you're saying, but this also does sort of feel like a, a series that, and I think this is what Denver wants, a series that comes down to the role players. And we had Kellen Olsen on earlier, and he said, obviously, look, you got to look at D.A. If D.A. plays the way he did against Jokic in the playoffs two years ago, Suns are going to win the series. If he doesn't, and he certainly didn't in the first round against the Clippers, then this is you know, it's a toss-up, certainly. And the Nuggets are a deeper team. Um, but you're right. I mean, everybody on the Suns looks to Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Chris Paul. The thing that's nice about that is most teams don't have three guys like that they can look to. Most teams don't even have two like that they sure. can look to. All right, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, we will uh, we'll get into this matchup with the Nuggets. How do the Suns match up with Denver? It's Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. The home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Nuggets now. All right, we know the matchup. We know game one is Saturday. In fact, we know the schedule for the series. But uh, game one Saturday in Denver. I'm still wrestling with that poll question from a half hour ago. Where it was, you know, Suns and six or seven, Nuggets six and seven. Yeah, yeah. it was a good one, wasn't it? it I, I don't know. It, oh, okay. <laughs> I it mean, it is. You. It was a good, yeah, because it really. I look at the series, and we're going to have plenty more time to get into it. And I don't want to overreact to what I have seen from Booker in particular. But for me, I look at two teams where one has experienced playoff success. The Suns have. The Suns were in the finals two years ago, and one hasn't done that yet. So that doesn't mean Denver can't ever do it. Right. But I, I just feel like a lot of people are looking at Denver and saying, well, look, man, they won 53 games. They were the best team in the West all year. That means nothing. Yeah. The Suns won 64 and went out in the second round last year. That that part of it means nothing to me. Denver's record compared to the Suns' record nope. means absolutely nothing. Taste it. <laughs> now, their depth, their depth does. And if Denver has role players step up and do things that, that really damage the Suns, they absolutely could win the series. I, you could talk me into the fact that Denver is the better team than the Suns. I'm just not sure that that matters when one team has Devin Booker and Kevin Durant because I think late in games, the Suns have guys I know will hit shots, and I'm not totally sure Denver does yet. I mean, it's 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 a thin margin. We're talking about two of the best teams in the NBA. Two of the, I would say, I don't know, five teams that legitimately could win the title this year, and now you're going to square off in the second round. So it should be a good series. I just... I like the team with Booker and Durant. If it wasn't the Suns, I think a lot of people would be like, oh, yeah, I'll take the team with Booker and Durant. But locally, we're all just kind of like conditioned to expect the home team to lose. 
Yeah, you know, and once again, when you get down into the weeds and you start looking at the matchups, um, you think immediately of the Joker and DA. You think of those two guys going at it. You also think of Jamal Murray and Devin Booker. And then you think of Aaron Gordon and KD. That most likely will be the three matchups in this game that is going to be really, really interesting to see how that all shakes yeah. out. No, and, and if, if those are the three matchups, you give the Suns a huge advantage, KD against Aaron Gordon, obviously. Um, you're going to give the Nuggets the advantage with Jokic over DA, although DA played him very DA well two years ago. plays him very, very well for the most part. Yeah. Think about this. He still averages 20, 21 and 12 against Jokic. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good right there. Our own Kellen Olsen has a big uh, part one of the the series preview up on the site today on ArizonaSports.com, and it talks about that matchup in particular. Because the other one, Booker versus Murray, again, I'm still going to take Booker because he's been to the finals before, and I just think he's a, a better player. But that doesn't mean Jamal Murray's not a really good player. You know what I mean? So it's so that one, if you're Denver, you just want those three matchups overall to be relatively close, and then you'll take your chances with your bench against the Suns bench. You know, it's interesting because when you think of the Denver Nuggets, Luke, do you think of them as being this physical team? Do you think of them being a physical team? Uh, they can be. See, okay, Aaron this Gordon is great. No, be. this is great. I love this. Uh, do you think of the Suns as a physical team? They, yeah, they can, can be. be. Yeah, that's right. True. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, that's exactly. It. So it's it's. Could it possibly be something as base, my brothers? Could it be something as base as the team that is the most physical, that is willing to get their fingers dirty, so to speak? That they'll win the series is. Could it possibly come down to that? And when I think of getting your fingers dirty, when I think about this, I think of defense and I think of rebounding. I think of those two things. They have been issues with the Phoenix Suns from time to time. The idea that this matchup will ultimately come down to Jokic versus Aiton. I th- if it really does come down to that, again, Aiton played him very well two years ago, and when he did that, the Suns swept him, obviously. And I, I get it. Denver didn't have Jamal Murray. I understand that. The Suns didn't have Kevin Durant on the roster at that point. Like These are different teams. But you don't want it to come down to Jokic versus Aiton if you're the Suns because Aiton is consistently inconsistent. You know, yeah, I, you're right about that, but it's interesting because even the Joker himself, and I know you know this, but even the Joker himself has identified DeAndre Ayton as the center that gives him the most trouble. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah. he's identified him. And, you know, a DA, for whatever reason, that's why watching this matchup, when we talk about matchups, Okay, yeah, I I get it. It's the Denver Nuggets. I know how good they are, but man, tell me your eyes are not going to be peeled when it comes to Jokic and DA. I I, I tell you what I want from this series, other than a Suns win, obviously, is everybody staying healthy on both sides. Like I would just like to see, hey, here's the Suns at full strength. Here's Denver at full strength. Let's go. And I know that that's that is not. That's just not the NBA <laughs> 2023. <laughs> like people look and they say, oh, you know, the Suns played the Clippers and they're missing these guys. Remember last time they played them, they're missing Kawhi. Like, yeah, Kawhi misses every series. That's not a Suns thing. Look around the NBA. A lot of teams are missing players right now, but there is a lot of star power in this series with Booker and KD and Chris Paul. DeAndre Ayton, when he plays against Jokic, seems to play that way, but 
Denver with Jokic and Murray and Michael Porter Jr. I know you wrote that song about him. It's great. Yeah. When he's on, he's he's scary. But the last time they played the Suns in the playoffs, he was not on. Yeah. You know what? I I it's so interesting you say that because Michael Porter Jr. is not um he's not somebody I think about or worry about. I'm sorry. He is the sort of guy that, that could I just don't. drop six threes on you in a game. I, I, Michael Porter Jr. Can I just say, based on things, <laughs> there's something about how, if you watch him, there's something about how he he competes, how he goes about his business, where you can almost see um, an Achilles heel, metaphorically speaking. If you watch him, just watch him move all the time without the ball. Um, it's also like watching DeAndre Ayton from mm-hmm. time to time. It's not dissimilar in any way, shape, or form. Watching him move without the ball. Watch him. Don't watch the ball. Don't follow it. Watch how he plays. And you can see it's almost like he's just waiting for the opportunity to stop moving his feet and do as little as he possibly can. And I say that, um, again, trying to be fair to both men. Yeah, they're very, very talented. Michael Porter Jr. is is very talented. Talented as we enough know. to get a song written. About DeAndre him. Ayton, of course, is exceedingly talented. This is going to be the charge, man. I, I, going forward, right now, I think of Da. DeAndre Ayton is the guy that really has my attention. I know at some point in time we're going to do a Suns three pointer, but. D.A., I thought he made a statement last night. I really did. I was happy to see it. It was like, you know what? I'm not going away. I'm not going into that good night quietly. Get me involved, and I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to play. Now, again, I don't want him to have to get the ball X amount of times in the first quarter for him to go out and play. I, I do not want that. And hopefully he'll never accept that as who he is. Oh, if you don't get me included early, I think we all know how I'm going to deal with that. I, please, that is the height of weakness. And I hope and I'm sure that he recognizes that and would never feel that way. But sometimes it looks that way. It does. And you're right with Porter. Uh, you know, he's... He's also had a lot of injuries, obviously, and he was he was dealing with injuries when he got drafted. And I remember in that draft, which <laughs> you know, I remember Da saying this is one of the best drafts ever. I think he even said it was better in '84, and it isn't. But it's a really good draft class now. When you look back five years later, and I remember people saying going into that one, "Hey, you know, Michael Porter might actually be the best player in this draft class." And again, that's the one with Luca. I mean, Michael Porter. Who else? SGA's in that draft class. Jaron Jackson Jr., Trey Young, obviously Da and and Michael Porter Jr. That's oh. Junior, yeah, that's, yeah, it's pretty good. It's not just Michael. Just to Porter. know who you, Michael oh, Porter. Yeah, right, who actually. are you talking Sorry, about? I, I meant Michael. It's got to be Michael Jr. Porter Jr. Uh, we all know that. A couple things here before we go to break. One, Aaron Rodgers on TV with a haircut, looking all like cleaned up in New Yorky. He did. Yeah, he even cut his eyebrows, man. Wow, I didn't even notice that. Shave it down a little bit right there. And uh, number two, I did. I know I said earlier in the show we're going to do a listeners only meeting. We are going to do that. It just got moved around with with Bismack uh, Biombo oh, calling. Okay. So we're still going to do that in the final hour of the show. Oh, we are. Yes. Oh, cool. So get ready to talk to some listeners about the Phoenix <laughs> Suns. All right. There you go. Nice. Uh, but when we come back, we'll get back to football with the NFL draft just over twenty four hours away. What do the latest mocks have the Cardinals doing at number three? Boy, there is a, a name that has emerged this week on, in more and more of these mock drafts that I did not expect to see going to the Cardinals at three. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The NFL Draft. 
news on number three. Draft coverage, live, local, late breaking. All right, the NFL draft gets underway, what, 5 o'clock tomorrow, so 28-ish hours. Man, 5 o'clock. Everybody's just kind of looking at the Cardinals, right? Seems, at least for a while, it seemed like, okay, we know what Carolina's going to do there. We at least know they're taking a quarterback. It certainly seemed like uh, Bryce Young. So I'm going to stick with Bryce Young since when we had Mel Kuyper on a week or two ago, he told us Bryce Young. Yeah, but the fulcrum of the first round starts at number two. It does. That's the thing. It shifted from the Arizona Cardinals to the Houston Texans. That is going to be the fulcrum, the tipping point to the first round. We'll see. And, And that wasn't the case two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, it was, okay, everybody's looking at the Cardinals at three. Carolina's going to take quarterback. Houston's going to take quarterback. So it comes down to, do you want the third quarterback off the board? You have to deal with the Cardinals. Now, now it's just, it's all up in the air. I was, I was looking at the, um, the draft odds for who's going to be taken at each pick, Wolf, and, yeah. and I'll, I'll pull those up again in a second, but, um, it's not, it's not breaking the way you would expect. Now, I always marvel at how much it has changed in the last week leading up to the draft when nothing has happened. And yet, all of a sudden, everything... Like, two weeks ago yeah, was... why do you think that is? Well, probably well, a lot of lying. There's, somebody's picking up the phone. Hey, how you doing? Oh, Adam, yeah, Shefty, how are you? <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> honestly, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that is going on right now. And you just can't, you can't believe any of it. No, you can't. But the mock drafts that are out there now are starting to reflect it. So... I'm looking at Charles Davis mock on NFL.com. This is from today. Yeah. It goes uh, Bryce Young first. Yeah. Carolina. I think most people expect that. It goes Will Anderson second to the Texans. Okay. Oh, you. <laughs> that's who, that's I, who I, you I want, still, right? That's yeah. still who I want, if too. It, if honestly, if somehow, some way, the Arizona Cardinals moved back to number four and got Will Anderson at number four, I'd be so happy it's not even fun. I, I, I'm 100% with you. My, my view on who I want the Cardinals to come out of this first round with has not changed, even though all these mocks are changing. And let me get greedy. Ryan Kelly. Ryan Kelly. Get in the room in there, too. Let me, we'll take Ryan Kelly. Thank you. Uh, Next. Well, I like that better than this scenario, which has the Cardinals at three. And 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 he says right here in the mock, he says uh, his write-up is, while the Cardinals are definitely open for business here at number three, if they stick, they're going to opt for their favorite offensive tackle and take Paris Johnson Jr. Well, at number three. Okay, wow, Paris Johnson Jr., Okay. This is why I don't like it. I, I love Peter Skaronsky. I do. Um, but Paris is right there once again. He He's right there. I, I would trust a professional scouting staff to actually be able to vet those two guys and figure out which way you want to go. Because if you, if you ask me, it's pretty much a toss-up between those two guys. So they have Skaronsky... Going 14th to the Patriots, so that's quite the oh, drop. Seems like, yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm looking that's at such a Belichick pick. Yeah, be, no, you just go ahead and that. fall to me right here. Yes, uh, I'm looking at Mel Kuyper's final draft rankings. This is not a mock draft, and this actually probably should carry more weight for everybody. This is just ranking the players, how you know, one through whatever. And so, like, he has Jalen Carter still number one, and he said that when he was on with us a couple weeks ago. He's he's he stayed consistent there. He has Will Anderson third. Uh, to your point, he has Skaronsky 
10th in the best offensive lineman, and he has Paris Johnson 11th in the second best offensive lineman. There you go. Uh, The only reason I don't like that scenario where they take Paris Johnson at third is that feels like drafting for need with a top three pick. And for me, if you're picking like top five, you're not going to take a quarterback if you already have a quarterback, but like take take the best player available in that spot. Now, if you believe Jalen Carter is the best player available, but you're the Cardinals and you're like, we've had enough headaches off the field. Maybe this guy gets it together. Hopefully he has, but we can't risk that. And you want to move on to Will Anderson or whoever. That, that's fine. But I, I don't really want to draft for need at three. That's why I would like them to be able to trade down if they really want Paris Johnson. Because you could probably still get him at like seven. Yeah, um, I, I think you're right about that. But how much do you love him? And how convicted are you? You know, you've got your franchise quarterback. You've got that. So how convicted are you that this guy is a rare tackle? That's what you've got to come down. You never you never forget this, Basinonians. These people sit around. This is how they make hundreds of thousands of dollars. This is how one scout separates himself from another scout. They track all this. Everything that you write down, everything that you say about a prospect These guys write down and they keep (laughs) these general managers that are out there. They write it down. They track this kind of thing. It's one of the reasons why some scouts get paid an awful lot of money, a lot more money than other scouts. It's what do you say about certain guys? If you tell me Paris Johnson is going to be the best offensive tackle in the last decade to come out of college. Well, then I'll take him at number three. Yes, if you can tell me that. I'm saying. And this is why conviction is so important. Not what a mock draft says, not what some guy with a microphone says on the air, but a scout who is trained to do this very thing. If, in fact, he's the best offensive tackle to come out of college in a decade and he plays that way, then it was worth it. Sticking around at number three and drafting him. It's worth it, but, I mean, you would grant me... You just don't know if that's the case that's the on thing. draft on, on any of these guys. Will Anderson, there's no guarantee he's going to be amazing. Exactly right. I just think that at a certain point, and they, obviously, the teams are going to know this better than, than we are, but what the buzz is around this guy, if the buzz is, yeah, he'll you know, probably be there 10, 11, or 12... It, it sucks if you have to pick him at three. It just it does, and, and maybe you're stuck doing that. We've we've had a couple people on now this this week and last week tell us, yeah, Peter King told us, yeah, teams the Cardinals want to trade down. That doesn't mean they get to trade down. Like yeah. you need to have teams that want to trade up too. Now, what I will say, uh, and there's been a lot of talk of, yeah, a lot of teams want to trade down. Not not that many teams want to trade up. I would think if a team wants to trade up. It's the Cardinals that are most likely to be able to get a deal done because of where they're sitting. You know what I mean? It's not like, hey, I'm picking seventh. You want to trade up here? The Cardinals are picking third. You can get your quarterback if you trade with them. This is what is so interesting, though, because the Houston Texans, once again, this is the reason why they're in this. If they don't love themselves from C.J. Stroud, if they don't love Anthony Richardson, if they don't love Will Will Levis, if they don't love these guys at quarterback— They loved maybe Bryce Young. Now, I've been talking about this, but it's the truth. If they don't love that, they are the number two. They are the fulcrum to the first round in this draft. They are. And they're the ones who will benefit the most. The Cardinals have to be ready for the possible scenarios after what happens at number two. 
If, Maybe that's why Mike Florio was so upset, because he didn't think they were truly preparing <laughs> for what happens if, in fact, the Houston Texans are the fulcrum to the first round. What are you going to do then? With, uh, you know, I, I say that facetiously, based on it. To me, the, the worst—by the way, if Houston loved Bryce Young— they must be kicking themselves for going two and one in their last three games. And I'm not. I hate tanking. I'm not saying yeah, you should right. have tanked, but man, if you really, if if it's if if you're Houston and you don't have a a quarterback, you don't have your franchise quarterback, and you love Bryce Young. Yeah. But if it's not Bryce Young, you're not going to take a quarterback at two. Yeah. How much does that 32-31 win over the Colts on January 8th <laughs> sting? Or the 1914 win over Tennessee on Christmas Eve? Yeah, well, it's why Lovey was fired. Uh, for Fired for winning. That's always a great thing. Fired for winning. And you know what, honestly, it's football is such a different thing. If, if, if any football player thought that he had a teammate that was tanking or a teammate that wasn't trying hard because he knew the team was trying to tank, You'd have a fist fight. I've never understood the You'd thought process. You'd have a process. fist fight in the locker. Look, I mean, even just being around hockey all this season and there's a generational talent coming out, I've never understood when people are like, well, why aren't they tanking? What player in any sport's going to be like, I'm going to ruin my career. I'm going to I'm going to make my resume worse yeah. so that we can draft somebody to come take my job. Yeah. Like, what? well, <laughs> what happens is happening. you get a lot of guys who are established players, guys that are really, really good players, guys that make a lot of money and they know the organization might be tanking. Suddenly it impacts their intensity level out on the field. Yet I will tell you again. As a former football player, I believe somebody would bash you in the face for doing that. Here's Peter Schrager, Monday, talking about Arizona and how they are approaching this final 48 hours now before the draft. Arizona is open for business at three. I've heard from multiple teams that you can have the Arizona pick if you're willing to make an offer, which makes it really intriguing with all of these quarterbacks up top. You have a first-year head coach in Jonathan Gannon. You have a first-year general manager in Monty Asenfor. And you have an owner, Michael Bidwell, who looks to be maybe rebuilding this thing on the fly. I wonder how much of this, because it's, it, it is, it's been out there that the Cardinals are willing to trade the pick. Monty Austinford basically said that when he got the job. Yeah, yeah sure, right. I'll trade it. What I care. Um, I wonder how, how much of this is going to flip in those 15 minutes when Houston makes their pick. You know, I wonder how many teams are waiting to see, like, uh, Stroud's still going to be there at yeah. three or whoever, Will Levis, whoever. I wonder how much of that's going to be, like, if the Cardinals are just aren't getting the calls they want and then Houston does take Will Anderson, if, if Monty Austin Fort's phone's just going to light up. Just, you so may play the beginning of that cut again. Just listen to the way he makes it sound like it. You just offer him anything. They're going to move out. <laughs> just call him. Everything must go. Arizona is open for business at three. I've heard from multiple teams that you can have the Arizona pick if you're willing to make an offer, which Good <laughs> what? I'll give you my seventh rounder. Uh, okay, that's good. <laughs> It's not a a garage sale. Give me a break, man. Here's a bunch of old records I don't want. Yeah, I'll give you 18 cents. Whatever, we're hoping for business. Go ahead and take it. Take the Cardinals' number three overall pick, too, while you're at it. Goodness. All right, when we come back, time for a Suns three-pointer. What are your three biggest takeaways from that series win over the Clippers? That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.